morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today at Solace Church. This is week four of our series called Life After Life. And I'm going to share with you this morning um, some incredible, I think, incredible experiences that people have had as they have encountered this place that we have been talking about called the intermediate state, this place of existence beyond this physical world. Um, before I get there, though, a couple of things that, that I want to just share with you um, before we look at, at, at these experiences. First of all, I'm not going to share with you a specific passage of Scripture today. And I know that there are some of you this morning that might uh, be taken back by that because at a church you're supposed to discuss Scripture. But I want you to know that today is a continuation of last week's message. I didn't have time to share with you the answers to all three questions we asked last week, and so today is a continuation. So if you need scripture, then watch last week's message, and you'll see how these, these pieces fit together. So today we won't be opening up the scripture, uh, but you will be seeing how scripture uh, plays out uh, and how it is affirmed uh, through what we talk about today. Uh, next week, I want to give you a heads up, next week... We're going to take another huge step forward in this journey of understanding life after life. Next week, we're going to spend the entire week talking about the, the, the great white throne judgment, as it's called in Scripture, and also the Bema Seat judgment, which is a separate judgment that relates specifically to those who are called Christians. And so next week will be a look at what it will look like for all of us to stand before God and give an account of our lives. We're going to take that next week and then we're going to spring forward from that week and we're going to talk about what we've already labeled or what John Burke has labeled, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute, what's called the 3.0 version of ourselves or the final state of our being when Jesus comes back. And if some of that information didn't make sense to you, it's apparent that you haven't been here uh, so far. And so if any of that was confusing, please go back and watch our videos at solacechurch.com. You'll be able to see... Uh, how those words that I just shared with you actually fit into what we've been talking about. So if you're a guest here today, you've come on a very interesting day. This will be unique in the entire series as we talk about uh, these experiences today. So if you're a guest, thank you for being here. And if it's your first time and I haven't met you, I would love to meet you. I'll be down at the front after service and I'd love for you just to come by if you don't mind and say hi. If you're watching online over fall break at solacechurch.com, thank you for being a part of our online community this morning. Um, uh, wherever you are in, in, on vacation, Disney World, Branson, wherever that might be. So let's, uh, let's, let's continue the message from last week. <clears throat> last week I shared with you that when someone leaves this world, they enter into what's called the intermediate state. And by the way, I've received many, many questions for you and even some discussion online, which I absolutely love. And thank you for the feedback uh, that, you are, that you are giving us and giving me as we talk about these ideas. What we shared is that last week we said that when someone leaves this world, they enter into the intermediate state. That is, that, that state of being that is physical, not just spiritual. That there is a realm beyond the realm that we can see that is physical and not just spiritual. And by the way, for those of, you, for those of us in the room that might struggle with the idea of a physical reality beyond the, the world in which we can see, please know that humanity has always struggled with, with being able to believe in dimensions or realities that they cannot physically see with their eyes or feel with their hands. Um, there was a period of time when the idea of germs or the micro level 
uh, bacteria was a foreign thought and rejected because people could not see it. But when technological advances uh, allowed people to see that realm, they began to understand that there's a whole other dimension that we could not see with these physical eyes. And in a similar sense, as we look into the intermediate state, it is a physical realm that we just simply cannot see with these physical eyes. And so when people leave this world, they step into an intermediate state, the state of in-between, waiting on the final return of Jesus that's coming uh, someday, and we talked about this. We don't know for sure what day that's going to be. All right, so personal story very quickly. Friday, my wife and I and our kids were in Branson. That Thursday, we had, uh, uh, this last Thursday, we had spent half the day at Silver Dollar City. They were, we were spending the night. We were going to spend the whole rest of the day Friday at, in Silver Dollar City. About five or so in the morning, in the five o'clock hour sometime, I received a phone call from Sandra Burton, who is a part of our pastoral care team, and uh, she informed me that someone that is very close to my family, very close to me, Glenda Wise, uh, had had a heart attack, and uh, that they were working on her at the house, and they were going to be transporting her to the hospital. Later on that day, just an hour or so maybe later, maybe a little bit longer than that, I received another text and a phone call, and uh, the text and eventually the phone call confirmed to me that Glenda had passed away. Uh, she had lost her battle. She, is such, she was such a dear friend to my family. I have known the Wise family for basically all of my life. And that phone call was difficult to take. I actually drove back from Branson uh, that morning and made my way back here to be with the family that afternoon. And my heart was in some sense saddened. We, we lost someone that we deeply love and care for. But in another sense, it was fitting that we're going through this series right now because I couldn't help but think about the fact that Glenda is experiencing right now what we're talking about. She's in the next season of her life, and it is a very real part of her journey. It is not some, just some psychological fantasy, but it is as real as anything has ever been here and probably even more so. And so while my heart is, is heavy today for the Wise family and for, for just the fact that I will miss her. And if you knew Glenda, you knew that when you saw Glenda, she was going to kiss you on the lips. I've only kissed one other girl on the lips since I've been married. My wife and Glenda, that's it. No one else. I miss her. But she's very much alive. In a very real reality. She knew Jesus. And it's changed everything for her. John Burke in his book. Which I referenced last week. Imagine Heaven. Talks about. This intermediate state. If you haven't read the book. I highly recommend you getting the book. But John Burke helps us. Answer the third question. That we asked last week. We asked three questions. If you were here. Where will I go when I die or when I leave this world? What will I be like? And third, what will I be doing? Today we're going to talk about what we will be doing. And in part, we're going to actually see in some living color uh, what it will be like as well. But we're going to talk about what we'll be doing, what will be going on in the intermediate state. Specifically, what is Glenda doing just two days removed now from this earth that she just recently walked? What is she doing? What are those who have gone on doing? John Burke in his book, Imagine Heaven, um, uh, shares many of the stories of individuals who have physically died and who entered into the intermediate state only to be revived again and brought back to this world. So they were at 1.0, 
they died or they passed away. They went to 2.0 and then they came back to 1.0. These are called near-death experiences. And I know many people are skeptical about near-death experiences and you should be. Because near-death experiences are varied and they range uh, from, uh, from biblically accurate to wild fantasy for sure. And so I want to be careful as we talk this morning and as we help answer the question, what will we be doing? I want to make sure you understand that I'm not suggesting that the near-death experiences that we're going to t- uh, talk about today are, are biblical or are, are authoritative. There is one authoritative and inspired book, and that is the Bible. And it is the absolute foundation for which we build our understanding of eternity. So don't confuse the fact that we would look at these stories as if they are authoritative and inspired just as the Bible. They are not. What these stories help us see uh, are, are, are possibilities. They, they give us a glimpse into heaven and they give us the encounter of an individual or experience of an individual who has died and has gone there. What I'm going to share with you today does not in any way contradict Scripture. But I don't want you to think it as Scripture itself. Is that fair? We dealt with Scripture in the beginning of this message last week. We'll continue to pick that up next week. And so I want to just start by giving you a glimpse into the intermediate state. What will we be doing? Let me read to you quickly an encounter an individual had as he stepped into the intermediate state. On November 10, 2008, Harvard neurosurgeon Eben Alexander was struck by a rare illness causing his entire neocortex, the part of the brain that makes us human, to shut down. What he experienced reversed the conclusions he had formed through medical school. He found himself alive like never before, experiencing a world where time and space become far more expansive than we could ever conceive. This is a quote from him. As a neurosurgeon, I heard many stories over the years of people who had strange experiences, usually after suffering cardiac arrest. Stories of traveling to mysterious, wonderful landscapes, of talking to dead relatives, of even meeting God himself. Wonderful stuff, no question. But all of it, in my opinion, was pure fantasy. If you don't have a working brain, you can't be conscious. This is because the brain is the machine that produces consciousness in the first place. When the machine breaks down, consciousness stops. Pull the plug and the TV goes dead. The show is over no matter how much you might have been enjoying it. Or so I would have been told, or so I would have told you before my own brain crashed. My experience showed me that the death of my body and brain are not the end of consciousness. That human experience continues beyond the grave. More important, it continues under the gaze of a God who loves and cares about each one of us and about where the universe itself and all the beings within it are ultimately going. The place I went was real. Real in a way that makes the life we're living here and now completely dreamlike by comparison. I went through the opening and found myself in a completely new world. The strangest, most beautiful world I'd ever seen. Brilliant, vibrant, ecstatic, stunning. I could heap on one adjective after another to describe what this world looked like and felt like, but they'd all fall short. I felt like I was being born. Below me there was countryside. It was green, lush, and earth-like. It was earth, but at the same time it wasn't. I was flying, passing over trees and fields and streams and and waterfalls and here and there people. There were children too, laughing and playing. The people sang and danced around in circles and sometimes I'd see a dog. running and jumping among them. Meanwhile, I was 
in a place of clouds, big, puffy, pink, white ones that showed up sharply against the deep blue-black sky. Higher than the clouds, immeasurably higher, flocks of transparent orbs, shimmering beings arced across the sky, leaving long, streamer-like lines behind them. Birds? Angels? A sound, huge and booming, like a glorious chant, came down from above, and I wondered if, it, if the winged beings were producing it. Again, thinking about it later, it occurred to me that the joy of these creatures as they soared along was such that they had to make this noise. That if the joy didn't come out of them this way, when they would, uh, then they would simply not otherwise be able to contain it. How long did I reside in this world? I have no idea. When you go to a place where there's no sense of time as we experience in the ordinary world, accurately describing the way it feels is next to impossible. I saw that there are countless higher dimensions, but that the only way to know these dimensions is to enter and experience them directly. They cannot be known or understood from lower dimensional space. Cause and effect exist in these higher realms, but outside of our earthly conception of them. The world of time and space in which we move in this earthly terrestrial realm is tightly and intricately meshed within these higher worlds. In other words, these these worlds aren't totally apart from us because all worlds are a part of the same overarching divine reality. From those higher worlds, one could access any time or place in our world. Because I experienced the non-linear nature of time in the spiritual world so intensely, I can now understand why so much writing on the spiritual dimension can seem distorted or simply nonsensical from our earthly perspective. In the worlds above this one, time simply doesn't behave as it does here. It's not necessarily one thing after another in those worlds. A moment can seem like a lifetime, and one or several lifetimes can seem like a moment. For a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Mr. Alexander, who did not believe in the afterlife, who did not believe in life after life, came face to face with life after life, and he was totally taken back. Think about his words. In the world to come, it is real even beyond the realness we feel here. We are absolutely humans doing human doings in a very real physical realm that exists. This was one man's experience. And for those of you who would say and who are skeptical about the next life, for, for my skeptics who might be in the audience or watching online today, I just would, just would encourage you to, to uh, consider reading this book. One of the most fascinating things about considering what we'll be doing in the next life is the fact that this reality is beyond and better than the reality that you and I get to experience here and now. Uh, Paul says that here we see dimly. Uh, We see as those who are veiled, those who have a veil or a filter that keeps us from being able to see fully. But there the veil is lifted. The, The experience in the intermediate state is a greater experience than we could ever experience here. Anything good that you think is good now with few exceptions related to marriage will be absolutely great there as well. And even better. Think about that. Whatever you see is good will be enhanced at a significant level in the time to come. And for those of you who would say this is, this is uh, far-fetched and it's hard to believe someone's encounter and experience of a near-death experience, a fascinating thing has happened in our world to help us think this through. Do you know that there are people who have been blind since birth here on this earth who have had near-death experiences and they've stepped over into the intermediate state and they have been able to see like they've never seen before. One individual named Vicky has been blind since birth. 
and she has never been able to see anything at all. And I know that what she describes is hard for all of us to understand. But what Vicky says is, I have not been able to form an image in my mind ever. So that when, you, when all of us close our eyes, we see darkness, but we can still in our thought life imagine physical realities. Vicky has never been able to do that. When Vicky dreamed, she dreamed in sounds and tastes and feels, but no vision of any kind of physical reality. Vicky stepped over from a near-death experience into the intermediate state, and she saw for the very first time. She described in vivid details things she'd never been able to describe ever. Her story and many others like her who have been blind in this world and who have near-death experiences have convinced many in the science and medical world that her experience and and, and many like hers are absolutely real because they could not describe in this world what she saw in the world to come. Powerful, powerful picture of the reality to come. Now, what will we, will we be doing exactly in the world to come? Well, one of the really fascinating things about the world to come, and all of us would you know, be thankful for this, is that when we step into the world to come, we go to one of two places, and you guys, we talked about this last week, right? It's either paradise or it's Hades. For the rest of our time today, I'm not going to talk specifically about Hades. If you want to read those encounters, you're welcome to pick up the book and read it. And you can read on some of those encounters even on, uh, on, online. 90 Minutes in Hell or something like that is a book out there about someone's encounter in hell. For our time today, I'm not going to go into that. Because next week, we're going to talk in some depth about the idea of an eternity separated from God. But what will those who are in the presence of God be experiencing? What will they be doing? First of all, let me say this. As we enter into this state, something very fascinating is going to happen. And I believe it's true across the board. I believe that there is going to be a reorientation process in the life of everyone who steps over into this intermediate state. In other words, there will be a period of wondering, where am I? How did I get here? One of the things that many near-death experiencers suggest is that they stepped over and they wasn't sure, or they weren't sure if they were dead or alive. Did I die? Many of them encountered actually leaving their, 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 their physical body and looking around a room, many of them in a hospital room as they had passed away, and seeing things unfold in the room itself. One individual, when he left the, his physical uh, 1.0 life and entered to the intermediate state, one individual was, was going through this process, and, um, and he was able, as he was leaving this, this, this physical realm into another physical realm, was able to see a pair of shoes that, that had been placed in a, in a certain uh, location around this hospital uh, that no one could find the shoes. He actually saw them, and when he came back, he was able to tell them exactly where the shoes were, and they went and found the shoes exactly where he said that they were. He was leaving this world, and he was entering into this next world, and there was this strange sensation, where am I going? My personal opinion, and I don't know this to be a fact, but I believe that there is going to be a sense of of reorientation, of acclimation into the new world. You step into this new world and you go, what happened? One of the things I think is perfectly clear as you step into this new world is confirmed, certainly in Scripture, and it's confirmed by many near-death experiences as well, is that there will be no sin. I will not be 
engaging in any sinful pattern or behavior when I step over into the intermediate state. For those who would experience a life in Christ, for those who would step into the presence of God, there is absolutely no sin. And if if there is anything that I could express to you with urgency or excitement today, it would be this, that we are baggaged down and burdened down by the weight of sin and its consequences here on this earth. But when we step over into the presence of God, there is absolutely no longer sin. We will no longer be tempted by sin. We will no longer commit sin. We will be perfectly and completely free from temptation or the actual acts of sinful behavior. Amen to that. No more sin in the presence of God. An individual writes, his name was Dale Black, who experienced a near-death experience, said this. Part of the joy I was experiencing was not only the presence of everything wonderful, but the absence of everything terrible. There was no strife, no competition, no sarcasm. Some of you just got deeply disappointed. Your life is a journey of sarcasm. No betrayal, no deception, no lies, no murders, no unfaithfulness, no disloyalty, nothing contrary to the light and life and love. The absence of sin was something you could feel. There was no shame because there was nothing to be ashamed of. There was no sadness because there was nothing to be sad about. There was no need to hide because there was nothing to hide from. It was all out in the open. No more hiding. No more secrecy. For there is no more sin in the presence of God. I think also it's important to understand for those who are in Christ and you enter into this next, next, uh, next reality is that there's no condemnation either. In our world today, there, there is a sense of condemnation that comes from the accuser. Satan stands as your accuser and my accuser. He stands to condemn us at every turn. When you sin, there is an accuser. His name is Satan. And he calls out your sin before the Father as if to condemn, condemn you for your sin. Now, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation now, but there is an accuser that stands against us here on this earth. But in heaven, that accuser is not allowed to accuse those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation any longer. We are set free from the burden and shame and guilt of sin as it affects us here on this earth. That is a great reality that's to come for everyone who is in Christ. One of the other very interesting things that's going to take place, and many of these near-death experiencers actually experience this, is what's called the life review. Now, next week we'll talk a whole lot more about this, okay, when we talk about the Bama Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat, which we'll get into in detail in Scripture. But I think something fascinating is going to take place when you get to heaven, and I actually think it's great. Remember last week we said that in heaven, in this intermediate state, we'll still have a memory. I had an individual ask me this week, uh, or just a little bit ago actually, I'm not sure I'm okay with remembering everything. I said, have you ever had a concussion? I've had three. It was miserable. A whole day is gone from my reality. I don't know a thing about that day. I was asking crazy questions. I was crying my eyes out because I couldn't remember. I'm a high school student weeping because I can't remember. Right? Memory is a good thing. It's a part of our reality, even though some parts of our uh, of our journey have been difficult. It's not. It's not. It's not going to be the same as we're there. But when we are there, one of the things that many near-death experiencers say is going to happen is this life review. And it's consistent with Scripture, but it's interesting to see what's going to take place during that period of time. Notice what this individual, listen to what this individual says as they had a near-death experience and came back to share it. 
This is what they said about the life review. I was, I was shown events in my life, not in isolation, but in the context of their unseen ripple effects. It's easy for us all to see the impact of our uh, words and actions that they may have on our immediate surroundings, but to see the impact of events or words dozens of times removed was profoundly powerful. Through this experience, I was able to see clearly that every action, every decision, and every human interaction impacts the bigger world in far more significant ways than we could ever be capable of appreciating. As one might imagine, this was a profound part of my experience. One of the things that's going to happen in the intermediate state, at least from these accounts, and certainly it lines up with Scripture, is that we will have a chance to see our life in the larger context of our life. In other words, we will see the ripple effect of our lives. Let me tell you how important this is for all of us to understand, even in the here and now. When I was flying to Oregon to do the wedding for the couple uh, that I had the opportunity to do the wedding for there in Oregon, I was on the plane with an individual. Her name is Natalie. I won't give you her last name. I had told her that I wouldn't share the whole story uh, or her last name with you. But her name was Natalie. She was in her maybe late 20s, early 30s. And uh, uh, we were sitting together on the plane. I actually was in the middle of reading this very book. When I, when I was uh, on, on the journey there to Oregon to do this wedding. There was an individual who was sitting next to me across the aisle. He was a young man. He was also reading a book, C.S. Lewis's book. I can't remember which one it was. It was like the four-part volume. He was reading one of the books, and I happened to see the title page. And I leaned over, like I do, because I don't know a stranger. I leaned over, and I said to him, uh, you're, reading, you're reading C.S. Lewis? And he said, yeah, I absolutely love it. And I began to talk to him, and we talked for probably 30 or 45 minutes of the flight about his journey, and he was a part of a church plant and, in, in Texas. And he shared with me his story and his journey and how he was understanding more about Christianity. So all that time we're talking, this, this girl, Natalie, is sitting beside me. And for some reason, I have a draw. I just have a tug on my heart to just ask her a couple of questions. And I looked over to her and I said, hey, you know, are, are you going to Oregon because you live there? Yes. And I said, let me ask you a question. I know this is weird, but let me ask you a question. I pastor a church. And I would just love to, for you to tell me, what, what is the spiritual temperature in Oregon? How do people view Christianity or the church? And she said, well, I don't know that I could tell you what everyone feels, but I can tell you what I feel. I, I, I don't go to church, and I, I really don't, didn't have very good experience in church. I said, really? I said, what happened? And she said, well, I used to go to church. And I went to church when I was, in my, when I was a teenager, and I went to a youth group. And she said, when I was at this youth group, the most popular girl in the church was someone who I did not get along with or connect with. And she treated me really poorly. And she went into some of the details about that relationship and how that worked. And she felt isolated and rejected in that setting in the youth group. And so from her setting there, she ended up not uh, continuing to go to church. To this day, she's in her late 20s or early 30s. And because of that experience in her life, it has set her on a course now where she sees the church as negative, as a place she doesn't want to connect. Because think about this. A girl in the youth group who was very popular, who was, who, was, who was a leader in the youth group, treated her poorly. Now, her life now is set on a journey that is this ripple effect of someone's decisions where now she is not a part of the church. Now she wants nothing to do with Jesus. And now she wants to live a life contrary or apart from a relationship with Jesus. I was heartbroken, actually devastated. I said to her, I don't know if I can do this, but can I apologize to you on behalf of the church? Because I, I want you to understand that that is no reflection of the Jesus that I know. Right? Now, I don't have any idea if that girl will ever, ever receive Jesus. My prayer, that is, my prayer is that she will one day. But I want you to think about this. 
we'll be able to see in, in, in an opportunity, we'll be able to see and get a chance to review all the decisions we've made and how it rippled out beyond just the immediate decision to create a ripple effect throughout the world, right? We'll have an opportunity to do this. Now, some of us ought to be scared by that in some sense, but in heaven, there's no condemnation. That is, we ought to come to terms with our decisions here matter greatly. How you treat people here and now matters greatly. Beyond the immediate interaction, it matters in a ripple effect for, uh, for, for many, many people all over the planet. Your decisions matter. One of the things that the near-death experiencers said over and over again is one of the most pressing presences that they felt in heaven was the sense of love, an unconditional sense of love, and that it is the responsibility, these near-death experiencers said, to come back to this earth and demonstrate that kind of love because it is the essence of God when we demonstrate that kind of love, right? We'll get a chance to review our lives. Will it be a negative experience? I don't think so. Will there be condemnation? No. But we will get to see how our lives have impacted others. The powerful reality of the world to come. What else is going to happen in heaven? I think we'll get an opportunity to see many different incredible people. I think we'll get a chance to see all the heroes of our faith. David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Peter, James, John in a sailboat. I think we'll be able to see all of them and get to encounter them and discuss with them the realities of the world in which they live. I believe we'll get to be able to see all the, all the people in Scripture that we see as heroes of the faith. I believe, and these near-death experiencers would confirm this, that we'll be able to see and interact with our loved ones, those family members who have gone on before. I'll tell you a quick story in just a moment about Colton Burpo. But when he, when he died uh, 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 during an operation, uh, uh, he was very, very young, four, five, six years old. Uh, he he went, to, went to heaven and experienced this incredible reality. And in there, uh, in this experience, he was able to see family members that he had uh, not actually even known before. A grandpa that he had never met and a, a sister that his mom and dad had miscarried was there as well. And he was able to interact with this little girl as well. She didn't have a name, he says. Because she was waiting on a name from her parents. We'll be able to see them, interact with them, meet them. One of the things that Glenda, who just recently passed away, said is she wanted to go to heaven. She wanted to go to this paradise because she longed to see her dad and her mom who had passed away before her. And I believe she's just seen Jigs and Faye Childers. We'll get a chance to see those who have gone on before us, interact with them in a place of perfect love. No condemnation, no shame, and no guilt. Who else will we see there? Let me give you a couple more stories today. This is fascinating. Crystal, who had spent nine minutes clinically dead, made her way into heaven, into this intermediate state of paradise. And this is what she wrote. This is fascinating. She said, once she arrived, I was instantly aware of two beings in front of me and to my left. And I knew right away who they were. They were angels. But they weren't just any angels. They were my angels. I recognized them immediately. There was so much brightness coming off of them that I couldn't make out any features. But they weren't shapeless blobs. They definitely had form, which was roughly that of a human being, long and slender. The being on the right appeared a bit bigger than the one on the left. A great sweeping love for my angels overwhelmed me. It was like that they were my best friends I could ever have. (laughs) If it is true that we have guardian angels that protect us, and I think the Bible speaks to this reality, those are a couple of people I want to thank when I get there. 
Many, many times in my life I could have died, and my guess is I might have a chance to see how involved they were in keeping me alive. Does that sound crazy? I don't think it is at all. Certainly there is an angelic realm and angelic beings that we'll interact with. The story goes on to say, Crystal writes, As if they had been by my side for every tear I've ever cried, every decision I ever made, every day I ever felt lonely, I understood while they were there to greet me upon my arrival and guide me back home. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Angels escorted Lazarus to Abraham's side. Everything we were, everything that mattered, was passing freely between my angels and me. There was no room whatsoever for secrets or shame or misunderstanding or anything negative. There was just this wonderful, beautiful, nourishing sense of knowing. I was also aware of a being on my right, and instantly I knew who this was too. And what overcame me was a profound, endless desire to praise and worship this being. For I knew immediately I was in the presence of God. I've always referred to God as a him, and I guess I always will, but the being on my right was not a him or a her. It was just God, and that is true because God is spirit, and we worship him in spirit and in truth. Nor did I make any distinction between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit as we sometimes do on earth. They were all one, the one before me uh, now. There was no distinct form with the God that she saw. Certainly no face or body, just uh, just a blinding profusion of brightness. I wasn't so much meeting God as I was recognizing him. I already knew him, and he knew me. I spent my life doubting his existence and disbelieving his love for me, but in that instance, I knew God had always been there for me, right there with me. There was another sensation, a sensation that I wasn't just aware of God. I was feeling him. His radiance wasn't simply something I could observe. It was something that overwhelmed every sense I had. In heaven, we don't just have five senses. We have tons of them. She goes on to talk about her encounter with God. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is amazing. When you arrive at the intermediate state, you will be able to interact with angels. How many of them? I don't know. I do believe that there are personal angels assigned, and I believe that we'll get a chance to encounter them, and that is going to be amazing. But the main event in heaven, by far, is the opportunity to encounter your creator. This young lady had a chance to see God, and this idea, he was formless. And it actually fits exactly the description of Scripture, which suggests that God is spirit. Therefore, he, he's not worshipped in an idol or an image. That is why in the Ten Commandments, we are not allowed to make graven images and idols, because God is spirit. He has no form. But the reality that we will also see, and that what, what this encounter partly describes but not fully understands, is that Jesus himself does have bodily form. For he, in the Godhead, is the one who took on the form of a human, and he wrapped himself in flesh. Therefore, he has a form. Actually, of all the incredible things that we'll be doing there, encountering this incredible beauty and splendor and majesty, and I believe, by the way, we'll be able to do the very things human do here, humans do here. We'll be able to engage and interact with people. Some near-death experiencers have suggested that we won't have to talk verbally, that we'll be able to experience communication through thoughts. That's the worst idea here on earth because you don't want people seeing your thoughts now, but it is the best idea there. We'll be able to communicate not with just words, but with thoughts as well. It's a powerful reality of the world to come. We'll be able to encounter in a sinless, perfect state this incredible physical realm. We'll be able to see family members and friends. We'll be able to encounter angels. We'll be able to encounter the very God of all creation. 
And I'll unpack this in more depth in the weeks to come. But in the presence of God, constantly in his presence before his throne, there are those who are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Many of these near-death experiencers have suggested that the music in heaven is out of this world. That there are more than four parts in, 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 in harmony in heaven and that the music is as beautiful as you can imagine. I don't have any idea if it's going to be heavy metal or southern gospel. I don't know. But it's going to be stuff that you love at the deepest, deepest level. It will resonate in your heart. Many of these near-death experiencers have suggested that when you're in heaven, when these songs break out, that you join in immediately in this, that you are uniquely you, but you are also a part of the incredible reality that's going on all around you as well. You will engage at the highest level. But by far, the most incredible moment of the existence of these near-death experiencers was an opportunity to meet the man himself. His name is Jesus. Just quickly, as we conclude today, I want to share with you just one other quick, or a couple other quick stories about this encounter with this man, Jesus. One near-death experiencer suggested this, Jesus is more beautiful, wonderful, and glorious than I can explain. How do I tell you what his face looks like? His face was as if, as if it were liquid crystal glass made up of pure love, light, and life. His face had the colors of the rainbow and colors I cannot describe inside of it. All these colors appeared at the same time in his face. They came out and off of him as the waves of the ocean coming onto the shore. I was seeing the colors and I was a part of the colors. I was in the colors and the colors were coming out of me. I was seeing Jesus and I was a part of Jesus. I was in Jesus and Jesus was shining out of me. All of it was life. I just wanted to praise him forever. And the story goes on to talk about his eyes and his being and and, and his personhood and these incredible descriptive words of how loving and how, how accepting and how warm and how full of light Jesus is. He came veiled the first time. He is unveiled now and he will come in his full glory and he will be beautiful and majestic. John in Revelation describes this incredible picture, uh, much like what you just read here of Jesus who is beyond description. He is so majestic and beautiful. And by the way, lest you think that's boring, Jesus has a sense of humor as well. Jesus is fun. He is not boring. He is not so disconnected from you that you can't relate to him. One near-death experiencer, as they were coming back to earth, said that Jesus looked at her and said, we'll see you soon. He knows our slang. Incredible story. And I'll close with this. An incredible story about two young individuals who both had an opportunity to see Jesus. If you've never heard the story of Akiana, you can look it up on Google. It's worth your time. Akiana was four years old when she first had an opportunity to see Jesus. She doesn't describe it as a near-death experience, but rather an opportunity, of, of, a vision of some kind, where she had an opportunity to see Jesus himself. She was four years old. Her parents were atheists and agnostics. They did not know Jesus. They, had, they did not talk about Jesus. They had no Bible in their house. They had no TV in their house. They had no oppor- she had no opportunity to encounter Jesus in any way, form, or fashion in her life. And yet at four years old, she saw Jesus for the first time. What her parents could not have realized is that Akiana would become a world-renowned artist. And she began to draw and paint pictures. Akiana when she was just, I believe, eight or ten years old, drew a picture of Jesus. It's called the Prince of Peace. Now, follow the story. 
She drew this picture of Jesus based on her vision of being caught up and seeing Jesus, having no religious background whatsoever. This picture is world famous. I'll show it to you in just a second. But this is the powerful part. Colton Burpee, who was the featured person in the movie Heaven is for Real, he had a near-death experience as well. He got very, very ill and sick. He passed away for a period of time. He described in vivid detail things going on in the hospital where his mom and dad were, what they were saying, and their frustration and fear. He described going to heaven to see Jesus. He described seeing his family members and friends. He described singing great songs like Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He asked for them to sing We Will Rock You, and they said, no, we don't sing that here. When Colton came back and he began to talk with his parents about this, they began to ask many, many questions. One of the questions they talked about was this person, Jesus. Colton's parents began to search for images and pictures of Jesus. And one by one, Colton would look at them and they, he could not connect with them. They, there was always something just off about those images. One day his family was watching CNN and the story of Akiana came on CNN. And, this, and the picture of this, the Prince of Peace drawing and painting the Akiana had painted came up on the screen. Colton looked at that image and stared at it for a moment and he said, yep, that one's right. This is the image that she painted. Look at the screens. An eight or ten year old little girl painted this picture. How accurate is it? I don't know, it was painted by one and confirmed by another that's never talked to that girl ever in, her, in, in his life previous to this. We will see him as he is. The light of life. The manifestation of the love of God who gave his life so that we might be with him forever. We will be human beings engaging in human doings in the presence of perfection without sin or condemnation, reunited with our family, connecting forever with the very person who created us. It's going to be good. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solidchurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.